This is At the Core of Care, a podcast where people share their stories about nurses and their creative efforts to better meet the health and healthcare needs of patients, families, and communities. I'm Sarah Hexham Hubbard, Executive Director of the Pennsylvania Action Coalition and the National Nurse-Led Care Consortium. As part of our special Access to Care series, we're gonna learn more about what it's been like to be a school nurse during the pandemic. Three school nurses in Pennsylvania will share their experiences with us about being a nurse leader in their community at this time and their efforts to keep their schools, staff, students, and families healthy and safe. They'll touch on a range of issues, including how they've done contact tracing, supported both educators and students virtually and in person, and been a valuable resource in their communities around COVID-19 vaccination. First, we're gonna hear from Tracy Glenn Rulinavich in Northeastern Pennsylvania, followed by Wendy Robison in the Western part of the state, and finally, Diane Shannon from Southeastern Pennsylvania. Tracy is a nurse in Northeastern Pennsylvania. She works within the Wilkes-Barre Area School District at Heights Murray Elementary School. Tracy has been a registered nurse for more than 20 years, and she previously worked in acute care hospitals and home care specializing in vascular access and also providing cardiac telemetry monitoring. Four years ago, Tracy made the switch to school nursing and became certified in the field two years ago. As we'll hear, Tracy's acute care experience has actually informed the approach she's taken during the pandemic. I'm taking experience from an acute care setting and placing it as I see fit in a healthcare setting for students a school, we have to be realistic with what we can do, appropriate guidelines, rules and regulations, social distancing in a school, an isolation room that I don't have privy to like I do in a hospital. So we've had to come up with, how can we say, a combination of resources that we've gotten direction from the Pennsylvania Association of Nurses and CDC working in very close contact with the Department of Health and also the public Department of Education. Of course, we have to abide by not only health regulations, but school regulations as well. So with that said, we did create a very brick and mortar, so to speak, isolation room here at the school. And working together with the administrators very closely, we were able to come up with plans that can repurpose rooms We have gotten air purifiers. We have increased our ventilation systems. We have purchased PPE for students, staff, and visitors. We limit visitors, of course, but if one has to come in the Perry area, we always make sure that they're protected and maintain that social distance. I have shower curtains held up by coat racks to maintain that aspect of isolation without scaring the kids into such a thing as you're going into an isolation room. But for your protection, we're going to sit you in a special room to minimize the exposure to other children as they're coming in for maybe not health visits, but maybe sick visits that aren't in coordinates with COVID-19-like symptoms. So it's been um, a work in progress, and it's been communication to advocate for our students to the best of their abilities as in a school setting where you don't have the resources at your fingertips that you might have at an acute care setting. We 
do have over 900, probably close to 1,000 enrollees in one given year. We do have some regulations on how many students Pennsylvania does have. Nurse ratio law, thank goodness, that we can only have 1,500 students to one nurse. Thank goodness I am the one nurse, but I do have close to 1,000 students that I do maintain contact with or try to during the pandemic. And what we had to do was develop a plan with our administrators, with our Wilkes-Barre area superintendent, closely with the Department of Education when we returned the kids virtually. So what happened was we sent out a survey of parents. If you had to return your children to school, would you want them option one? Would you want them option two, which is virtual? Or would you want to send them to cyber school, which is another option three? And there's a couple different areas of cyber. So when we got those surveys back, our administrators worked closely with the superintendent to see how many parents were interested in returning their child to 100% in-person or for 100% virtual or cyber school. So with that said, we developed this plan for virtual kids that the teachers, God bless their amazing skill set, were given kids to teach in-person and along with the virtual kids, simultaneously teaching their class. So it has been amazing. They did return this past February around the 12th. We have a large percentage still on virtual, and we do have about 22, 25% here in person. With a pandemic, not only is there change, there's fear. You know, are my kids going to be at risk if they return? Should I keep them home? What about my job? There's so many caveats that come with this pandemic and school nursing that I'm glad that I was able to help and be a resource for, despite most of the issue is in a classroom and is how we're going to maintain social distancing regulations? How are we going to keep these kids safe? How are we going to assure the parents that when they do come into school, if that's the choice they were given and they chose, how are we going to honor that? And with the socioeconomic status of our area, the kids are better off in school. A lot of them don't have internet that works. A lot of them have multi, you know, blended families that have many children that when you're on the internet at home, it's hard to get service. It's hard to have the children online enough times and enough devices for them to get their education. But then again, when they're in person, there's always that fear that comes with it. So I think the parents, the teachers, the administrators, and our amazing United Way that have donated some money to the nurse's pantry and also donated money and meals to help with before and aftercare services for families that have to go virtual because their parents have to go to work. It has been a plethora of help and resourcing to figure out how we can get these kids their deserved education, their required education, and their healthy person to be educated as a whole being. If we meet their basic needs, we can educate them. But with pandemic, meeting those basic needs was a marathon, not just a race. And 
And the mental part of it is so overwhelmingly crucial that we've seen so much anxiety, depression, withdrawal, terrible, terrible behavioral issues because of this need to maintain virtual status or be in person and worry about not being able to sit at lunch with your friends and keep your mask down. We have to follow all the rules, but we've done a fabulous job of keeping in contact with parents. Now, I've learned two things over this virtual start. And then when they came back in person, this partial virtual and partial in-person school nursing, as far as my responsibilities. Number one, I learned how to utilize space. Number two, I utilize other staff members to help me keep in contact with these kids and families because if it wasn't for them teaching me how to use Google Classroom, I actually did create a virtual Google school nurse office. So when I was home, I did create a page with an interactive link to parents on our home website that when they click on my office, Certain areas of my office would be a bookshelf, you know, a book on a shelf would be a CDC recommendation for quarantine. On the other pegboard, I put a link, how to wash your hands properly for our youngsters that maybe just do a quick swipe here and there, but how important it is to maintain good hand washing. The policy on COVID-19 for the school website, I did post the link, easy, quick reference for parents. So within that Google Classroom, school nurse office, I was able to reach out to families and students and maintain that degree of communication where they feel comfortable and confident that someone else is there. If they can't reach their doctor, they have questions. I am here. Please use me. Please call me. Please contact me. I've used many resources like Class Dojo. It's an email system we use to contact our parents. A good thing about that is The parents that don't speak English as primary language can translate that in a click of a button. So if I'm reaching out to a a non-English speaking family, I can, instead of using a translator, a third party, I can directly contact parents through Class Dojo and communicate with them about their child's immunizations, about their current health status, about their current mental state, about their recent physical to try to maintain some sort of normalcy for them because they're not in school. We still do have kids with allergies. We still have kids with a history of diabetes that come in and get their blood sugar checked on a healthy state every day. We have kids that come in to get their medication every day for behavior purposes and for any kind of medical histories. We have children come in for Band-Aids and stomach aches, whether it be somatic or physical, it's still a stomach ache, whether it's based on anxiety or an actual physical illness. We still have that other than COVID-19. So we did see a lot of flu cases that were in conjunction with COVID-19, but there hasn't been a lot of school transmission, but there has been a lot of illness out there in the community. So in addition to the pandemic and watching what we do as far as social distance in school, we also maintain the health and wellness of our students that are healthy. (laughs) We still do have to complete our state-mandated screenings, which includes height, weight, vision, monitoring their BMI, their hearing, giving some education as far as how to continue to be healthy and or how to make some healthier lifestyle changes with our little ones. So we do have that hurdle to overcome as well. Our children, number one, we closed down, let's say, in March April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, 
they have been home with their parents and family for that many amount of months, and then they have to come back to school. So then we have separation anxiety. We have, oh, I can't learn virtual and do whatever I want anxiety. We have sleep issues because the screen time alone messes with their eyes, with their mind, with their well-being because of the exhaustion. It's not easy for me to even sit in front of a computer for a long period of time, let alone try to accomplish a lesson and then learn from it. The teachers not only are teaching them virtually for the option two students, but they also have the in-person learners as well. So those learners that are present do also have a classmate of virtual children as well. So they try to maintain that compatibility and the organization and the children are sometimes used to sitting on the couch using their switch, you know, and they they don't want to learn, but it is up to us to kind of target that problem. And a lot of them don't see a doctor regularly. So another goal of mine and another passion of mine, I'm working really closely with our student wellness committee, with our United Way funding for the nurse's pantry they have funded a vision program that we are trying to get underinsured and uninsured children glasses because they have failed their vision screening in school. And because of that, they're sleeping a lot. They might not pay attention. They're distracted. Some might not even know their colors or letters. And it's because they can't see them. So if we could get them glasses and we can get a student wellness program here on campus because they can't get to the doctor's. We're trying everything we can to help our community stay monitored, stay updated on their physicals, get their immunizations where some of the clinics have closed during pandemic, vaccine clinics around the area. Just advocate, resource out, communicate. It's been something. Every day I try to think of somehow, some way, and some other area we can improve on. But man, I'll tell you what, we've been doing a good job. And I commend my fellow nurses who we have a Zoom meeting every now and again with to bounce off issues and problems and how we can most efficiently and creatively solve them. We're going to head now to the western part of the state and hear from Wendy Robison. Wendy is a certified school nurse within the Western Beaver County School District and covers pre-K through the 12th grade. She received a 2021 School Nurse Excellence Award from the Pennsylvania Association of School Nurses and Practitioners. She's also a certified registered nurse practitioner and worked 30 years in a hospital clinical setting. When not at school, meaning weekends, holidays, and during the summer, Wendy works in an urgent care clinic as a nurse practitioner. And as Wendy will share, there's been some crossover between the care she's providing at the school and the walk-in urgent care setting. Some of the latest challenges have included cases of students, mainly at the high school level, contracting COVID-19. What we see now is quite a bump in the young people getting COVID, primarily through social gatherings, as they are social beings. So we're trying to navigate through that right now. And any school nurse right now could tell you that they're inundated with contact tracing, and it's very difficult. These are moving objects. So we're trying to do our best to contact trace to mitigate the spread, but sometimes it's a losing battle, and it involves many stakeholders, and we're always aware of that. So, you know, it involves sports, and perhaps we've just stopped a sporting event for a week and have to reschedule and testings and proms and graduations and things like that, and parents 
have to take off work. So we're aware of all that and we're placed in a difficult situation right now. I can pretty much say that all school nurses are feeling a lot of pressure from all different stakeholders and we're trying to do our best to follow the guidelines. We can't please everyone, but I would say for myself, I'm looking forward, eyes forward, always looking for evidence and what can change because we've changed so many things since the beginning of COVID and we learned a lot. But right now we're in this, just this little stall point where I think that we could move forward with some different mitigation measures. It's hard to create evidence when you're in a thick of things, you know, it'd be great to do a study, but it's hard to set it up and to control any variables to make it valid. But, you know, that would be really helpful if we had studies that suggested that some of the things we do are beneficial or some of the things we're doing don't have much use. What I like to see is when educators come and ask me pointed questions and, you know, thoughtful questions. And that's what we aim to do as educators is to show our students that they should question and they should look at evidence and they should weigh that. And so that was appropriate, I thought, and hopefully that's a good model for the students that they're teaching. But right now, there are some students that are vaccinated, so that's great. If they're two weeks out of vaccination, we don't have to quarantine them as long as they're asymptomatic. But we also have students who've already been through COVID but perhaps they had COVID during Thanksgiving or Christmas. And if it's been greater than three months, then we have to quarantine them again. And it just doesn't sit right. And so that's where the evidence would be so beneficial to say that, yes, the innate immunity that they acquired is sufficient, that you don't have to quarantine, but we don't have those directives right now. And that's where the school nurses, I think, are feeling a little bit frustrated that we want to have some evidence to be able to tell our principals, teachers, and students, this is why we do it this way, or this is why we're doing it this way. I vaccinate on weekends, and I did see quite a number of teenagers come through, which was nice to see. And yes, they have questions. You know, I've talked to parents too. They'll call in and ask things about it, and they have a really good conversation with their students, with their children. So that's the good thing. And I hear a lot of, and it makes some sense that we have vaccinated, those that are most vulnerable, and children seem to do fairly well through COVID. So at the point that we've insulated as much as possible, is it okay to just let it go and come back to school in the fall and see what happens? So I don't know the answers to that and the rules of the game in the fall. If you're not vaccinated and you're sick or, you know, what's the end game? So we're not sure. We're still looking forward to see what happens. And we're not sure about herd immunity. We have questions that, is that fully a vaccine-driven immunity or are they accounting for those that already had COVID? So I think we have to wait and see how long it's going to hold and whether we need boosters too. <laughs> we were out for so long that the kids seemed to grow an inch or two or three which was neat. And with masks on, it was hard to identify my friends. So the other thing I noticed is either they gained a considerable amount of weight from sedentary kind of lockdown, or they lost a lot of weight from depression and things like that. And they had a hard time to get back in the rhythm of school. And you can see the stress. We know that children need routine, that they thrive on routine. And 
you know, I did talk once about an analogy of a tree, tree rings. And when you cut a tree down, you can kind of look at those and see what years were the hard years, maybe. And I think if you did that, you would see that this period of time in their development could be quite affected. And we know that educationally, it has been. So I'm hoping that we can move forward and look ahead to repair some of this and uh, make a game plan to catch them up and make them feel safe and get moving again. And it's ironic that you have to look at what have we learned during COVID. So when I look at the staff at the schools, they have changed their skill set dramatically. So to be able to do the virtual models and simultaneously teach in a class, I don't know how they manage all of that, but they have learned so much about the online platforms and students are very comfortable with that, especially teens. And so they communicate with their teachers quite a bit and they may divulge more that way than they would face-to-face. And so I think that is a plus. Certainly for me, I get messages on the school platform all the time, night, day, evenings, weekends, which is fine. That has changed for all school nurses. We don't just work a steady daylight job anymore. It's all weekends and anytime. So I think some of those pluses there and also virtual um, visits. So with the clinic setting where I work, we do virtual visits and that has kind of tipped over into schools. So now I offer virtual visits for students who may need to see their physician for a follow-up for something maybe like ADHD, which doesn't require an in-person visit, just a talk or counseling session. So we have computers and they can have their sessions and not have to leave school to go or have their parents leave work to take them. And that's something that's new that's come out that may be beneficial as well. So Do I think that we're going to have some counseling? Yeah, I I think so, after this dust settles. But everyone's trying to stay afloat right now, to be honest. I see the stress and the administrators, the guidance counselors, and everyone, you know, cafeteria, everybody. (laughs) Well, big lessons learned are to be nimble. You have to be ready to change and have a lot of patience and compassion be aware of everyone's viewpoints and the difficulties they experience. So I know it won't be an off summer. That's not how I operate. I'll continuously look at how we're moving forward and what's new and continuing to talk with the physicians, infectious disease doctors, and then plan ahead and hopefully we can restart rejuvenated and have some other protocols in place, but a little more stability. I think a little more stability would go a long way (laughs) for everyone. Just to have the kids in school, you know, and they know they're not going to start hybrid and be an A and B group and they know they're going to be with their friends and they won't have people going move apart, move apart, put your mask up. And, you know, maybe that would relieve some pressure on them. And then just the consistency for the teachers and the students as far as education goes would be phenomenal. They're struggling. And then, you know, when the kids are off, They have anxiety because they can't keep up and they're not doing well. And then they're back in school and trying to catch up. So I feel for them. It must be difficult for all of them. And then the parents feel stressed trying to help the children. And the teachers feel stressed because they're trying to do their best too. So I think going back full time, knowing what the game plan is, hopefully, you know, we don't have the numbers that we see and we can keep going, get some momentum.
You know, I'm hearing from all the nurses and the administrators that everyone's ready for summer and they have some battle fatigue and I think they're getting frustrated. And I just would love that everyone could keep in perspective that we are a group. We were good before and we can be good after, but we just, we need to be kind to one another and patient and understand that this is the way the game is played right now. And as much as we don't like all the rules, we have to get through this and um, just maintain those professional relationships and just eyes forward. That would be my message. I see a lot of battle fatigue right now and I just hope that everyone can get through. I did a speech for a nursing award I just recently received for school nurses and um, you have to do an acceptance speech and I said, I know, but I was buried in contact tracing and things that were happening and I'm like, Oof. so I'm driving home, it was a Friday and that was the night that I needed to do this virtual acceptance speech in front of like 300 people and I didn't have anything written. and. So I, I was thinking about how things were going and, you know, I was getting kind of yelled at by parents and everybody and they're mad about this and that. And so my acceptance speech was like a parody of a Few Good Men movie. Like the movie A Few Good Men starring Jack Nicholson, we have become many great school nurses. We live in a world that has halls and those halls have to be guarded with exceptional caring, insight, and education. Who's gonna do it? You? You? We have a greater responsibility than they can fathom. They don't want the truth because deep down in places they don't talk about at parties, dances, and gatherings. They want us in those halls. They need us in those halls. We use words like vaccinating, isolation, and quarantine. We use these words as a framework for protection. Many use those as an argument. We have neither the inclination nor the time to explain ourselves to those that demand education and safety and then question the manner in which we provide it. I would rather that they just say thank you and go on their way. Otherwise, I suggest that they mask up and walk these halls. And finally, we're going to hear from Diane Shannon, who works as a school nurse at Kennett Middle School in southeastern Pennsylvania. She's been a school nurse for 23 years and the nurse coordinator for the Kennett Consolidated School District in Chester County for 21 years. This past year, the district also tapped Diane to be the pandemic coordinator. Her work as a nurse leader has also been recognized, and she also received a 2021 School Nurse Excellence Award from the Pennsylvania Association of School Nurses and Practitioners. Prior to working as a school nurse, she was mainly a clinical nurse specialist and worked in labor and delivery and high-risk and critical care obstetrics. Diana is going to break down for us what this past year has been like and the ways in which she and her nurse colleagues have responded to the pandemic's demands on schools. Our job duties were the same as what they always are when we had students in the building, but of course we didn't have as many students in the building, so we weren't as busy taking care of students with illness and injuries and medication administration and health screenings like hearing and vision, height and weight, scoliosis screenings, because we didn't have as many students in the building. However, we were kept very busy doing contact tracing and providing quarantine instructions for families who had COVID and staff who had COVID. So we worked very closely with the health department. And in the fall, when the health department became totally 
overloaded with trying to do contact tracing, they put that responsibility on the school districts and specifically on the school nurse. And then we were also given the responsibility of providing the quarantine instructions from the health department. So we kept very busy doing all that, tracking all of those cases, doing the follow-up, and then also continuing to evaluate our safety measures and what was working and what wasn't working and educating the staff and parents and students about COVID and strategies to prevent the spread. Our cases at our school district have been very similar to how Chester County had ebbs and flows and peaks and, you know, post Thanksgiving, we had peaks, post Christmas holidays, we've had peaks. After spring break, when we came back to school, we had peaks. I mean, I think the whole winter was pretty tough, but we have seen a drastic drop in cases now with all the vaccinations that are happening. I mean, I'm so thrilled with Chester County Health Department and all the other places where people are administering vaccines from pharmacies to hospitals to the health department. And many of our nurses, I encouraged our nurses to join the Medical Reserve Corps through Chester County Health Department. And it's a tedious process of paperwork and clearances and watching videos on how to administer vaccines, which is funny after 43 years as a nurse. But but we went through the process and on the weekends, whenever we can, we volunteer our time to help administer vaccines in our community. So we have really been working hard to make our community safe and decrease the spread. So we're really promoting the health department vaccine clinics for the children. And it will require an educational process because especially when they pulled the J&J vaccine for a while. And, you know, there's been controversy regarding COVID all along about everything, right? There are definitely a lot of differences of opinions, and we have just tried to really follow the recommendations of the scientists and the physicians who are providing guidance for the CDC and the health departments. So we're definitely on the science side and trying to follow their lead. So that's what we're presenting to parents. There's risk in everything, right? But we know at this point that COVID has killed over 500,000 people. And children had initially fared very well with COVID. But now that kids are back in school, we definitely saw an increase in COVID cases among children, young children too, children in daycares, children in kindergarten and elementary schools and the middle schools and high schools. And I feel like we just have to give vaccines a try because We really need to try to minimize the number of cases of COVID. We want kids to be back in schools again, sitting closer to each other, not wearing face masks. You know, this has just been so hard for all the teachers and all the students who have to be in school wearing face masks. It's really hard not to see their faces. The mental health issues have skyrocketed. Sense of isolation has been really difficult. And joy, you know, they've missed out on a lot of joyful events, dances and 
parties and clubs and sports and things that bring children joy and just totally different experiences than the academics. I mean, we're going to be doing an outdoor prom with face masks on. It's really been a rough year for children. And and the children who last year graduated with no graduation ceremonies. I mean, those are like some big rite of passages that are important for children and families. So the children who ended their school years from May till June, not in school. That's really sad for those kids, especially who were seniors and went off to college, you know, feeling like they missed out on their senior year of high schools. So it's had a huge impact on the children socially. I'm on the board of the Chester County School Nurses Association and have been for decades. And we have meetings every few months and we're really ready to have this year end. And we're just so hopeful that next year we'll bring more normalcy because everybody's ready for some normalcy. This has been a very challenging year and several months and it's been challenging in so many ways challenging in terms of how many hours we've all worked and being on call 24 7 to answer and deal with tearful phone calls about covid symptoms and covid diagnoses doing testing and one of the things that's just this whole covid situation has been amazing from You know, the days when there wasn't hand sanitizer, there wasn't toilet paper, there weren't supplies. And now there's just an abundance of everything. Remember before the holidays of Christmas, you couldn't get a COVID test. The COVID tests were costing hundreds of dollars and you couldn't even find one just to get scheduled. And now there are just tons of places to get COVID tests. We've been doing COVID testing in our schools since January. We do rapid antigen testing. We do Q tests. There's just an abundance of supplies and resources for COVID. So that was one thing that's very interesting to me, to watch that whole cycle progress, you know, in terms of supplies. And now the same thing with vaccines. Remember, nobody could get an appointment for vaccines. And now there are just dozens and dozens of places to get vaccines as a walk-in. So it's very interesting. No matter what people say, children sitting at home learning from a computer, it is just not the same as being in a classroom and learning from a teacher in front of them. And I'm really worried. I think we don't even know the impact that we've had in terms of lost education for these children. I think some students are not even, when they were virtual, they really weren't logging into classes. And there was really nothing that teachers could do about it. I feel like we've had a lost year with children and that's sad. We've now done contact tracing on between people who've had COVID and people who have been identified as close contacts. We've done contact tracing on over 800 people and we have not had any in-school transmission of COVID. So I think that's a really powerful observation. And other school districts are in the same boat. We've had to quarantine people for 10 to 14 days because they were sitting near somebody and that's what the regulations say. That's what we have to do by the health department guidelines. And yet the CHOP policy lab physicians are saying like, we really haven't seen in school transmission and we haven't, which is amazing. 
And maybe we haven't seen in-school transmission because they've been masking and because they've had physical distance. But it is remarkable that the transmission of COVID that's been happening has mostly been in households and it's been in community settings where people aren't masked and where they're let their guard down. It's when they're with their friends and family. And that's been the vast majority of the transmission. So maybe it's prevented in school because of all of our mitigation strategies. And we can just say, hey, that's great. It worked. Or maybe we could say, wow, why are kids still having to wear masks and sit six feet apart from somebody? It is just interesting concepts. When we say 800 cases, it's like, for instance, now one student that has COVID in a middle school and they have seven or eight classes in the course of a day and they have three or four students sitting around them, we have to put into quarantine like 12 kids because of one student who is positive. And we have families living in close quarters. So one or two family members who get COVID, we have to write quarantine orders for eight people. It's certainly, I don't even know how many positive cases of COVID we've had at this point. I just know the documents that we use to track. We have a lot of names on it at this point. (laughs) It's been a very challenging year. And I think One thing that has been crucial for school districts to survive and thrive in this pandemic is that the school nurses have become a very important cog in the wheel, and they've had to work very closely with the administrators, the health department, the families, the students, and of course each other. We have way more meetings. We have weekly staff meetings. Earlier, we were having meetings several times a week just to make sure that everybody was understanding the rules and the regulations and the regulations were changing very frequently. And we had to make sure that we were keeping up with the most current guidelines. So we have worked together as a team more than ever. And that's been a plus. I mean, hopefully that part of it will stay. Special thanks to Susan Cole of the Pennsylvania Association of School Nurses and Practitioners and Christine Marcos of the Moses Taylor Foundation for their assistance on this episode. Funding for our special Access to Care series comes from the Center to Champion Nursing in America, which is a joint initiative of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, AARP, and AARP Foundation, along with the National Nurse-Led Care Consortium. For more about us and our programs, log on to paactioncoalition.org and nurseledcare.org. You can stay up to date with us on social media at PA Action and at Nurse Living. At the Core of Care is produced by Stephanie Marudas and Emily Previty of Cubenda Media and mixed by Brad Linder. I'm Sarah Hexham Hubbard of the Pennsylvania Action Coalition. Thanks for joining us. 